What's up, everybody? This is Stick to Football Bleacher Report's NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Matt Miller, lead draft writer at Bleacher Report. And, oh boy, do I have a treat for you, because not only do you get Connor Rogers up in New York, but you get our boy Mello. The the trio is back together, guys. Whole damn gang's here. That's right, because it's uh, position group preview time, and we're starting with the quarterbacks today. So we had to get everyone together because... Guess what? A three-man scouting team still isn't enough to get all of these players done over the summer, but it's better than just two people. Yeah, it's been fun trying to divide up this huge country into three regions. So our new intern, Walker, Texas Ranger, is going to be taking some, and uh, we're going to have some fun with these position previews. We did this for you last summer. As a reminder, Mello's QB1 was Sam Darnold, mine was Josh Allen, Connor's was Josh Rosen. All three went in the top 10, guys, so I feel like we None did really None of them well. went yeah. first, though. <laughs> That's where I was going next. <laughs> None of them went first. We do have a fun show for you, though. We're going to do around the league. We're going to get caught up on all the news and notes, including my new shopping preferences. Then we're going to jump into the quarterback previews, and each week we'll do a new position, so next week we'll be running backs, so on and so forth. And then we'll close it out with your questions, draft-on-draft draft style. Mello and I are actually leaving town tonight to go on uh, a vacation. Connor's trying to get back down to the ocean so he can just flex on that. What is the thing you stand on in row? Oh, board, the, the paddle, paddle board, but I've moved on. Yeah. I still I still paddle board, but now I'm more of a kayak guy because I can go a lot farther. And I could drink be- I, you could drink beer a lot easier because the kayak has uh, a cooler in the front. It's pretty, it's pretty close. You catch off the abs sitting down, though. Yeah, that's, uh, you'd be surprised. There's always a way. There's a will, there's a way. Good posture, and you got it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I had abs, maybe you could show me how. Uh, Let's talk some football, and then we'll get to some more fun stuff. Baker Mayfield, like Melo said, first pick of the draft by the Cleveland Browns. Really a surprise move for all of us. And a report comes out that he's not ready to compete with Tyrod Taylor. Uh, I saw some panic. I've been trying to stay off Twitter as much as possible other than doing show research, but I saw some panic from Browns fans, and then I saw some other people kind of smartly coming in and saying, no one expected him to be ready, so why does this even matter? I know he was, like we said, not any of our favorite quarterbacks, but I think we all came to really respect him through the process as a player. I know Melo. I don't know him. if I'd use that word respect, uh, but he is a player. <laughs> I'm not. I don't think it's time to hit the panic button on this being a bad pick or anything. Coming out of that system, it's going to take time. I still think he ends up starting at some point this year. I agree with you. I think he's going to start, but he also probably needs to sit a couple games. The NFL used to do this all the time, and I don't really know why it's changed, but guys used to sit almost a year. Carson Palmer didn't see a single snap his rookie year, and it was all planned. If you have a guy like Tyrod in place, why rush Baker? Keep him on the sidelines. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Also, I found this interesting because I couldn't find in any of the reports the reasoning of why he seems that behind is it you know what I mean I actually want to know real football reasons I am not going out to Cleveland to watch the Browns practice in shorts at at this time of year so it would be nice if we had that I think it's pretty obvious that this is a team that gave up the 65th overall pick to go get Tyrod Taylor and they're not getting him just to sit and watch unless Baker really blows things out of the water also I know it's a cliche, but Baker's a, a gamer. He's a guy where you're going to see his best when things break down. I don't think spring practices or mini camp are going to show you his best. So I expect Tyrod Taylor to be leaps and bounds ahead of him, and I would be shocked if Tyrod Taylor doesn't start the season. And honestly, I think Tyrod Taylor wins a, a pretty decent amount of football games for, ever, uh, for however long he plays this year with the Browns. Yeah, and I'm ready uh, soon. As soon as we get through prospect previews, I think we start breaking down each division, you know, like we did last year with wins and losses. Um, and, and I 
the Browns one's going to be fascinating because there is talent, and I think we're all kind of waiting to see what this coaching staff can do, if they can do anything at all. Let's transition to a team that definitely has talent. I would think they have to be in the top five or six teams when you talk about legitimate Super Bowl contenders. That's the Atlanta Falcons. This weird like two-month beef they have with Julio Jones, though, would terrify me as a fan of the Falcons. And I know they drafted Calvin Ridley, but as Melo said to me once, yeah, they drafted Calvin Ridley, not Julio Jones. And now they're upset, maybe upset, that he's hanging out with Terrell Owens, who not the greatest role model, let me tell you, as a 49ers fan, not the greatest guy that you want your star wide receiver hanging out with. No, I wouldn't be a fan of it. Like, he's already causing some problems, and then reports come out that he's hanging out with T.O. That's just, it's not a good look. If he's helping him on the field, cool, but I still don't think it's worth it to have his mentoring at any part of Julio Jones's life, not on the field, not off the field. I would keep him away from him. I, I agree. I think T.O. definitely is uh, an interesting personality, but I'll say this. Julio Jones is as big of a class act as it gets and has been the least problem out of any star wide receiver I think I've ever seen across the That's NFL. True. I mean, him and Calvin Johnson are two guys that – they are have, have at a time been the best wide receiver in the league. Julio really bounces around between the one and three to five kind of spot that he's still a top five wide out consistently year after year. And I think this is another thing where he's finally, you know, coming out of the shell a bit and saying, hey, pay me. I'm going to really do what I want this offseason. I'm not getting in trouble. But you just gave the quarterback that I make look really, really good all the time a ton of money. Why don't you show me, you know, maybe two thirds of that money and get me back into camp? So, an interesting situation for Julio Jones. And I know it's not the popular side right now, but I'm going to side with him throughout this entire thing as long as he's staying out of trouble off the field, which he always does. Yeah. And I think that made me think of the fact that we've been very spoiled by someone like Larry Fitzgerald, who has been a marquee receiver for what, 15 years now? He's still the number one receiver on his team. They've yeah. tried to bring in other receivers and no one can take his spot. And he's, he's the number one guy. Never in trouble, never any ruffles with the team. It's just the consummate pro. One more NFL note Andrew Luck. Uh, we waited for a year, right? Everybody's like, ooh, is he, is he going to be back? It's like Texas football. Is he back? Is he finally back? And then he starts throwing a tennis ball. And people are like, oh, shit, he's done. He's never coming back. <laughs> then we see the picture of him riding that bike, and he looks like the Hulk, like mid-transformation. And now he's throwing a football at camp, and everybody's like, oh, wait, this guy's actually a really good quarterback, which is what I remember doing a show, Connor, and I tried to tell you. We had a, a draft on draft question. What would you trade Andrew Luck for? I was like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade him. If there's any way he can get back, he has the talent to be a top five quarterback. And it almost sounds like everyone's remembering that. I'm seeing reports from practice that he's making Eric Ebron look good. Like that that takes effort. Matt Stafford couldn't do it. <laughs> right. That that takes a hell of a lot of talent. I think he, I think he's back. Is he throwing an NFL size ball though? Because that I know I, that that I probably sounds stupid. But if you're out there slinging around a smaller size football, anybody can look good. I go out to practice and I pick up a junior high football. I can throw that thing all over the field. The weight of the ball and just the size and the way your hand fits around it makes a big difference. I know he's Andrew Luck, but still, I want to see him throw a real football. Yeah, it's really interesting because, I mean, I I was reading, uh, I think it was Albert Breer had an article that was a deeper dive at where Andrew Luck is. And the plan is for him to be ready to go week one, you know, full conditioning throughout training camp and all of that. They just don't see the need to rush him right now. But at the same time, when you're in the media and you're watching this guy every day or you want to watch him throw every day, 
you are a little skeptical because he's simply been held back. But I will say this. He looks like he's in peak physical condition. He looks like he's built, you know, like the size of a linebacker right now. And I think I, I'm optimistic that in training camp he's going to be back to himself and ready to go week one. But there's no doubt that there's some, you know, especially traveling to Europe for treatment, being out in Los Angeles, he's been all over the place. So this was obviously a very, very serious issue. On the flip side, it does seem to be like it's finally resolved. Yeah, I don't want to piss off our guys, Anthony Oreo and, and Dan Barnes, because I know they're both Colt fans, but I will believe it when I see it. Like That's he's fair. out there practicing. Yeah. I yeah. When he suits up for week one and he looks good week one, then I will believe it. Until then, I don't think he's any good anymore. I, I wouldn't just, trade him, but I'm not going to believe it until I see it. It could be me just wanting to believe it so badly because a, he's the best prospect I've ever scouted. So it's like you just there's so much talent and potential there. And you just want to just for once see it come together. And he finally has a good GM. He finally has a good head coach. So it's like I feel like there's been some Elway like ness to his career. And I know Elway never had the injury, but you just see this guy where it's like shit. If he could just get a little help, yeah. How good like Marino he? almost, yeah. Like just put something. Well, he had the good receivers. Yeah. I don't want to see him lose anything to injury. That sucks so bad, and I would never wish that on anyone except for maybe Oklahoma players. But I just you don't want to see Andrew Luck go down because his shoulder hurts. Like if he gets his years in the league and he's just not any good, that's whatever. You don't want to see somebody with all this potential lose something because of a shoulder injury. Yeah, I'm absolutely with you there. Uh, All right, let's go from the good to the crazy. Mike Leach. Oh, man. I don't know how through the years. I mean, great offensive mind. This dude is unchained, though. I don't know how. And now he's kind of coming under fire because he retweeted an Obama conspiracy. But I don't I don't want to get into the, the conspiracy. But Mike Leach is just insane. And I don't know how anyone can continue to employ him. I mean, I thought he was done after Texas Tech, but he's still catching on at Washington State. And they had a good start to the season last year. I know it kind of fizzled at the end. But yeah. at one point, I know they were ranked in the top 10, or at least I think. I think they were like 7-0. and 0. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Uh, and then he, not only did he tweet the Obama video, he went on like a uh, – he tweeted through it. He <laughs> interacted with everyone. Literally anyone yeah. that tweeted at him, he would respond back to them like challenging them. I think it's a bad look because Leach – and we've been guilty of this. I'll admit that I've been guilty of this where there's times where Leach's press conferences like the candy corn rant and stuff – that's fun and quirky. And you say, oh, Mike Leach, he's actually you know a fun guy in college football – there's a lot of bad, clearly, with Mike Leach. And I think this was a reminder that, hey, you know, sometimes that stuff, the fun stuff, like the candy corn rant, covers up the bad, and I think we lose sight of that. And this was just a reminder that I don't know if he's a guy, of course, from a football standpoint, he's qualified, but as a, a leader of young men, I, this is alarming to me. To be the face of a program, it's... Uh, it's not funny and quirky anymore. It's just it's no. bizarre. It's like the prospects that we see coming through the draft, and we're like, why don't you just delete Twitter? It's not doing you any good. Yes. I don't think he's winning any recruits via his Twitter page. No. He just needs to get off there. I don't. He's an okay coach. He gets the job done, I guess, but he's weird as shit. And sometimes it's like he's a goofy uncle, and he's kind of funny. Other times he's creepy, and you don't want anything to do with yeah. him. Man, those coaches in Washington love their conspiracy theories, though. Yeah, Pete Carroll. Yeah, yeah Google not, that one. Don't even Google get me Pete Carroll conspiracy one. theory. Just yeah, if you want to, if you want your day ruined. 
And then you just have like the safest coach in the world, Chris, Chris Peterson, Peterson who's like, just like, I'm just going to be quiet, wait for the right job, yeah. and do a damn good job in college football. I'll just be the next day coach of the Patriots when Bill retires and, and take over. Uh, I, I warned you we were going to get some fun personal stuff because that's what our summer is mostly about. We heard about Connor's ability to flex in a kayak. <laughs> I have some breaking news per, on the personal front. No, I'm not remarrying. <laughs> I shop at Walmart now, Connor. Really? What What brought upon... For clothes. Really? Okay. What brought upon the yeah. change? So every night when Melo and I get together, he's been coming in looking good, right? He's got these like nice t-shirts on, and it's a million degrees in Missouri in the summer, so not only do you need a good-looking t-shirt, but it has to be like, it has to be lightweight. You know, you can't be yeah, wearing 100% cotton. you'll sweat through everything. Right. So keep asking, man, where do you get these t-shirts? Well, baller on a budget over here, Mr. Teacher, is buying these shirts at Walmart. So I'm like, yesterday I was there getting some stuff for the new house and was like, you know what, I'm just going to take a stroll through the men's department. Wow. I got uh, three shirts for $20. I'm surprised they cost you $20. Yeah, I went premium. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I'm surprised I, you even found that. Yeah, like Mello said, you found the $20 section. Uh, I mean, in yeah. college, Walmart was a lifesaver. I don't even know if we have one anywhere near here where I live Probably in don't. Jersey and anywhere in New York City. But uh, Walmart had the cheapest beer pretty much when I was in college. The oh, only yeah. tough part well, you, was you definitely had to be 21 to get it there. Because you can't fool anyone at Walmart. Well, around here, if you look under 40, they card you. So yes. even I still get carded at Walmart. Oh, yeah. It's a pain in the ass. Like, I'll have my two kids with me even, and they'll still have to card me. No sponsorship for Walmart, no. but I, I do secretly love their there. clothing. Target as well. Like Matt said, baller on a budget. I go out and I find cheap clothes. I don't care if they get ruined in the washer and I have to replace them pretty soon because they're like five bucks each. Well, I shop there all the time. Not ashamed the, of it. Yeah, that's smart because we're at the point of New York City where like yesterday, I got back from the shore yesterday and it's, it's like in the 90s now and it's humid. And it's the type of weather where if you don't leave very, very early for work every day, you have to bring an extra set of clothes because you Ugh, will sweat yeah. through your clothes. I just remembered what the subway smells like right now. Oh, the subway, walking Ugh. through Times Square. Uh, I mean, <laughs> no bueno. Let's just say that. It is not fun. And I know I did the same rant last year on the podcast where I complained that it smells like absolute garbage everywhere when we move new offices. Well... Guess what? The 90-degree weather's back. So, yeah, hopefully you guys come in for that podcast summit this summer and you could experience some of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't wait. You're really selling it hard. I don't think Melo's ever been to New York in the summer. I haven't in the summer. The latest... Not a like summer The warmest town. it's ever been is, like, April. So, in the oh, spring. That's and the even peak. That's the best time. Well, even then, it still stinks. And, like, yeah. the trash there is just wet. I don't even know what you guys are throwing <laughs> away spray there. spray it down. But everything is wet and it's just oozing onto the streets and it's sidewalks. everywhere it's everywhere it's really unbelievable the funniest part is too now you tell people because this is true everyone's like oh times square really cleaned up like when i believe it was giuliani and, and my fellow new yorkers so have to have to correct me on this but like times square really before the year 2000 was not even safe it was like a shithole to epic proportions now it's the crime is mostly out it's just a it's like a landfill right now so it's so funny when <laughs> yeah. i see people like on phones and i understand they're tourists i would do the same thing if i was coming from another country you know constantly instagramming and all that and i'm like man you are in the worst place in new york like you got conned you got fooled you're gonna walk into an applebee's and spend 16 dollars on a drink instead of a real bar where you can get like a three dollar pint it's just 
It kills me. So if you come to New York, here's my advice. Don't go to Times Square. No, stay Case south solved. of 40th. Yes. I don't get all the hype around it. Like I went and it's awful. the first time that I ever went to Times Square was this spring. And it's it's just a lot of lights. I don't care. It's yeah. advertising. That's all it is. It's all it's and just marketing. Huge ball. The entire thing. You're paying for marketing space. People don't actually do anything here. But uh, there's one more thing in this rundown that I have to ask about. Matt is not a Paw Patrol scout. So this came to my attention last night. Apparently there's a, it's like a parody account on Twitter and it's at Paw Patrol Scout. And people keep asking if it's me and I just wanted to address it. Oh, not, it's not me. I looked at their tweets last night and I told Mello about it this morning. It is pretty funny, but it's definitely not me. I think it's like a parody account for you though. Like you must have mentioned Paw Patrol or well, the I've seen this right. account. I, I think somebody made this account to like make people think it's you. Just the way that it's set up and what it says, like the bio is NFL draft fanatic, single, single dad, dad, son, <laughs> brother, payer of alimony. Like this oh, guy wants wow, to Matt, this checks come the off boxes. Like it's you. <laughs> it does check the boxes. Yeah, I mean they're not. This might be you. They're not angry tweeting about immigration this morning. So it's beer <laughs> consumer, beer consumer. I don't know. I, I think this might think be you. I, I, it might be mellow. It's it was, it's definitely <laughs> not me, be. but it's someone who knows me. Plot <laughs> twist. Yeah, it's some, mellow. <laughs> it's not me because I don't know Paw Patrol. My kids don't watch it. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know, I don't know what that it. is either. Um, so I've never watched it. He just has all the toys. Yeah, so. I, I don't know anything about it, but it is hilarious. The biggest plot twist in all of this is if it's Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Former intern stays relevant. Or, she, she's probably young enough that she still watches it, oh, right? Oh, man. Oh. Or it's Whiskey, our producer, taking it over, uh, and who's also out on vacation this week. So hopefully Whiskey has a good week. Like I said, Mello and I will be out. Uh, we'll be doing the Thursday or Friday morning show from the Grand Canyon, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun. So if you guys have any tips for us, things we should do, breweries we should visit while we're out, Sweating our balls off in Arizona and Nevada. Definitely yep. let us ways know. Ways to stay cool. That would be great. Yeah, just the tip. Ways to stay cool. All right. I am so excited. I, I Day three of the draft, I was ready to talk about the 2019 draft because of not only this quarterback class, but the edge class, the D-line class, the offensive tackle group looks really good. But it's, it's that time of year, boys. It's mid-June. We've all been studying film for about a week on these quarterbacks. I'm ready to, to hop in and, and educate the people. Uh, some of these names you'll know. Some, hopefully, are guys you haven't heard of before. So we'll do our best to keep you informed on them from here on out. Uh, I'm going to kick it off with the guy who, for now, is still my QB1, but there's definitely a little competition. But that's Justin Herbert at Oregon. I think he has Mariota-like potential, and I know that might be like a lazy comparison because they're both at Oregon, but I think Herbert has the arm. He has the athleticism. He is now playing a more of a quote-unquote pro-style offense. Uh, I think he comes into the year as the guy who I'm probably most excited about. Kind of reminds me of how Jared Goff was before his last year at Cal. See, I'm on the fence on him. I think he's kind of a product of that system, and this is going to be his third system, which kind of benefits him because his coach is leaving again. I want to see what he can do this year. This dude throws more screen passes than I think anyone I've ever scouted. Like, seven or eight a game are just little dumps, so I'm not sold on his accuracy he looks really lean to me as well which concerns me for durability he broke his collarbone last year i want to see what he can do this year he's got a lot of potential he makes some great throws up the seam and through the fade but i want to see what he can do this year and with that new system yeah i'm man he's intriguing i'll say that i love the release uh i do think he makes some anticipation throws and now i will side with mellow that 
you know, there are times where the offense makes it a little easier. Now, I'll make that argument for a lot of guys that I like in this class. I Stidham is a guy oh, I watched agreed. a lot of, and it's like, man, in the box score, it might say 40-yard touchdown. On film, it's a 40-yard screen that the guy made a play and, and took it for six. Yep. Same for Nick Fitzgerald. Those are, th- those are the three quarterbacks I like the most in this class, actually, that we just went through. And they all have that concern. So physically, when you look at Herbert, he's got pretty good athleticism. He's probably going to measure in at at least 6'5". Now, he is a little thin. Like Melo said, he's got to fill out that frame. I do wonder how tough he is. And that's not saying I know. I'm just very curious to see how much of it, right? How much of a gamer he is. There are some things I like at, at you know in terms of his raw ability. He's a top three quarterback in going into the CFB season in this class. He's not my QB one. He he wouldn't be my QB one either, obviously. But a couple things that I'm concerned about also are I want to see what he can do without his running back there this year, um, Royce Freeman. Yeah. Royce Freeman. That dude bailed that team out so many different times with just converting on third downs, catching balls out of the backfield, picking up blitzes. I watched. Herbert play yesterday. I watched a lot of film on him. I watched the Arizona State game. They got the ball back with the two-minute drill. Herbert lost that game for him. I don't know if either of you have watched that game. He took a sack on like a third down. The clock was running out. And then I believe he ended the game with an interception or an incomplete pass that was just bad. It looked terrible. Yeah, he's got some growing up to do. Uh, Mello, who's your... I, you you two both really like one guy, and I'm trying not to step on you by to, by talking about him. I, I like Jared Stidham the best so far, and that could change. He reminds me a lot of a guy that I really liked last year, and I know I told you this yesterday, Matt. I think he's a better Sam Darnold. Just what I've seen so far, I think he's more athletic, and he takes better care of the ball. Sam Darnold had some knocks on him last year, and it was the turnovers. Jared Stidham doesn't turn the ball over. Yeah, no, I, I like him too. Yeah, he works really well in that offense, and, and he's come a long way since Baylor, you know, since transferring, obviously. Um, so we all have different QB1s because mine is a guy that it, he hopefully he comes back healthy after devastating injury, but Nick Fitzgerald is my top quarterback. Now, what I'll say is I won't have a first-round grade coming out of summer on any of these guys. And I, I think last year I could I would definitely say Rosen – was a guy you could definitely make the argument for Darnold. You know, I know Matt felt the same way about Allen. You know, Mello felt that way about Darnold. I don't feel that way about any of these guys. There's so much potential and ceiling here with the three we just went through with Herbert, Stidham, Fitzgerald, because they check so many boxes. Now we really need to see it put all together on the field this year. When you look at Fitzgerald, it's kind of like Stidham where it's like, you know, wow, really like the arm, really like his ability to run. He's got really good size. He's tough. He's nasty. But once again, I want to see him come back healthy and really put it all together on the field. This yeah, year. I'm with you, man, because looking at him last year, what, 6'5", 230, he has a really good arm. And you definitely heard last year at this time or even early in the fall about, hey, man, this Mississippi State kid, you got to check him out. Got to, you know, get down there, do the work on him. But then the ankle injury happens. And so now it's like, okay, where is he going to be? Um, because uh, in spring practice, you know, you would see things during seven on seven or hear about things during seven on seven, or it's like, oh man, he might be back. And um, I-, I think that offense is going to be a lot of fun. Joe Moorhead goes down there as head coach. He was at Penn State. And really, when you talk to people at Penn State, the turnaround there 
I mean, James Franklin should get a ton of credit for the, 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 you know, situation he walked into and the job he's done. But Joe Moorhead's the guy that was recruiting in that offensive scheme that a lot of people will talk about of, man, this, this is the guy who's really turning things around there. So now he has a quarterback in Fitzgerald who can make every throw, can do some things athletically. He is a little bit of a question mark because he's come back from that injury, but I don't, I don't see anything on Fitzgerald's tape where you're like, no, nah, no, nah, this is keeping him from being, like you said, maybe he's right? maybe you don't give everyone a first-round grade right away, but he is a really pretty prospect. Yeah, no limitations physically, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, one more quarterback that, that I'm a really big fan of as I would say my sleeper of the class is Easton Stick at uh, North Dakota State. We've talked about him before. Not only does he have a great last name, we need to, we need to make it Easton Stick to football, but I really like the way he plays. He's tough. Uh, he's been playing since he was a freshman because Carson Wentz got hurt. So he would be my sleeper. And then my my all overrated team quarterback would be Drew Locke at Missouri. I don't think any of us are a fan of, of Drew Locke. I keep no. waiting no. and just watching him play and looking for something that he does well. He looks very good throwing the football, but he reminds me of Brady Quinn. Like You just expect oh. him to be this great quarterback because he looks the part and he says all the right things, but he just he's not getting the job done. He's inconsistent with his throws. They're either too high, they're too low. He hasn't done anything that impresses me. Yeah, I'm with you there. I just I There was so much hype. And they were talking about, hey, he might declare this year. Where will he fall? And then you go watch him after he doesn't declare. To, you know, obviously to do this show and a guy we're going to be talking about a lot. And I just think the accuracy issues are are very evident. I, I think at times he when he just doesn't get set. I think the turnovers are a bit of a problem. So once again, physically in the look of him, you like those things about Drew Locke. But I just don't see myself being sold on him as a high end first round kind of quarterback in this group. Although. We're seeing him being billed as that now for a while. And here's the deal, because I know people are going to come at me and say, well, what's the difference between Drew Locke and Josh Allen? Uh, well, I think Melo put it best. He said, like, well, 130 pounds, a lot of athleticism. And even if you want to go box score scout, and okay, they're both sub-60% passers. I think they're actually both right around 56 if Josh Allen had had Jamon Moore and that Mizzou team, That's, it's a completely yes. different ball game completely different also Allen is way more impressive athlete yes way more yeah. impressive I thought Josh was comparable to like a Cam Newton type guy I know he's a little bit slower but just his movement and strength and size and our, our buddy Chris Sims always says size is a trait when you're a quarterback Josh Allen had that I don't know that Drew Locke does have all the he doesn't have that type of arm and he's definitely not that kind of athlete so I just I want to just address that in June because I know I'm going to hear it all fall why and we're going to hear like from like all these Mizzou fans around here too it's not a bias because I actually kind of like Mizzou and what they Same. do he just he hasn't done anything he's in a weird offense the spread offense where you probably only read one side of the field or you throw it to your target I hate how flat-footed he is in this offense mm -hmm. I know it's something that the coaching staff probably teaches him but that guy's just standing there still and it's not working for him yeah and just to piggyback off that we are throwing in some superlatives here I had uh Shea Patterson as my all overrated guy I think Michigan fans, uh, from a college standpoint, should be very excited about his potential and about the transfer and about his ability to play right away. But in terms of a guy that was billed as a high-end recruit, I, I just didn't see the decision-making that I was hoping for when watching his film. I don't, I don't have Shea Patterson in that Nick Fitzgerald, Jarrett Stidham, Justin Herbert 
kind of group. He's sitting more in the Drew Locke where it's like, man, physically we've known about it for a while, but now we got to see it. Now I think that Michigan team's going to be very good this year, but a lot of that offensively is definitely going to weigh on his shoulders and him making the jumps that we've expected for a long time. And we'll see if he can take a pounding when he's got Bosa breathing down his neck. He's listed at like 6'2", yep. 200 pounds. I don't think he is, though. He looks very small, and I don't know how well that plays as an NFL prospect. I know Baker got drafted, but he was still like six foot two twenty. So he's a thick guy. Yeah, he's a thick yep. frame. And he proved that he could take a beating. Yeah, and uh, one of my favorite guys that... Um, it's hard because we only saw a little bit of him last year, and he's bounced around. Will Greer started at Florida, uh, was a guy everyone loved, and then uh, ends up at West Virginia. Was looking very good last year. Breaks his hand against Texas. I want to see. I think he's this year's kind of like Mason Rudolph for me, where I need to see if it's him or the scheme. You know, are you talented or is the scheme? And you have David Sills. You know, which which is it going to be? But I like Will Greer, and I actually put on my notes Bakerish. Like that's my guy where yeah maybe a little undersized a little under the radar right now but and I'm not saying he's gonna be the first pick but uh, he is and I know Melo you said you haven't really dug in on him yet you've been watching uh, I haven't just from what I saw last year he didn't impress me I there was some talk about even him coming out and I didn't think he was ready but I haven't watched I haven't gone back there's a difference in watching somebody play and then going back and diving into their film and I haven't done that yet one guy I love so far this year and it was kind of a joke because I liked watching him play and then I rewatched his film I'm a big Ryan Finley fan same I kept watching film and waiting for him to fail. I watched the Clemson game. I watched a condensed film of the whole game. And at one point I thought, are they taking out all of his incomplete passes? Because I haven't seen one yet. Turns out I wasn't. He went 14 of 14 against that Clemson defense before he ever threw an incomplete pass. That Clemson defense tore up everyone last year. They made Lamar Jackson look bad. (laughs) And Ryan Finley looked great against them. Yeah, he's a, another one of those guys that uh, is a little skinny, or at least looks the part. I know that weight can be deceiving because Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold apparently weigh the same, but I, I do want to see how big he actually is once we, we get a height weight on him. But uh, I had him last year uh, as a guy that's like, we got we to gotta watch him early next year because he does look very good. And you're right, if you can tear up Clemson, you're pretty dangerous. And you should watch that Clemson game too because I thought he was going to be just this big stationary quarterback. That dude, he's got some athleticism to him too. He beat Cleveland Farrell to the corner one time. He threw, what, 339 pass attempts without an interception. Yeah, he's so... I kind of labeled him as like a game manager, but then going back and watching that Clemson game, I don't know that he is. I actually think this guy can ball. Yeah, no, I definitely like that. I think that one thing that we always you know, look for, this was kind of me when watching Nick Fitzgerald against LSU, and you mentioned it with Finley against Clemson, is how do they perform against you know defenses that have NFL players? I, I want to see that. I want to see them throwing against NFL corners, safeties, and you know, speed. facing the pass yeah. rush. Yeah. And, uh, you know, going back to the Big Ten here, people always ask us, hey, who's a wild card guy that we haven't seen play that you think can get into the mix as a one-year wonder? As we saw Mitch Trubisky really be the face of that kind of movement, he was a one-year starter and ended up being, you know, obviously a top-two pick. I think Dwayne Haskins is a guy to watch at Ohio State because we haven't seen him play yet. He's 6'3", 220 pounds. He's been sitting, patiently waiting. He should have played over JT Barrett, Ohio State was very loyal to Barrett. I think Haskins is a guy with a big arm and playmaking ability, and I think he looked really good in the spring game. 
And now that he's going to be the starter, it's about time. And I think if you're looking, you know, with the talent that Ohio State brings in, if you're looking for that first-year starter and potential one-year wonder, I would put some of my chips on Haskins having a pretty big year over there for the Buckeyes. I've heard a lot of good things about Haskins, too, and I like his athletic ability. I wonder about him transitioning to an NFL prospect. He kind of reminds me of, like, a Kelly Bryant. Like, he's a good quarterback, and he's going to win you some games. I don't know if he's a draft guy. Uh, but the quarterback he replaced, though, Joe Burrow, he, I think he might be more of an NFL prospect. Yeah, and we're at Burrow it was definitely – I remember – it, you you know Connor's been there with me you talk to people from schools and you're like hey who's coming up who's who are the guys and it wasn't that long ago at Ohio State they thought Burrow was you know gonna be the dude yeah they really so, like he went to LSU so we'll see if he's actually well, cursed you might you can get lost down there in the swamp real quick when you're playing quarterback another guy I want to bring up for us that we haven't talked about is Jake Browning who and is still in school it's not because I like him, but he oh, is one hell of a college quarterback, <laughs> and people are going to ask about him. I don't think he's an NFL prospect. I Kill watched his film. Yeah, he's like a, a BYU, or not BYU, Boise State quarterback, yeah. just typical Chris Peterson guy. I just I don't think he's going to do anything in the NFL. Great coach. I think he'll be a great coach in the NFL. Maybe play for the Cowboys yeah, he's really for a couple have years. To, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, he's just small. He's going to have to cut it as a backup. I mean, it's as simple as that. He just doesn't have you know the arm. To really, he's not going to be an NFL starter. I don't know if he'll ever be an NFL number two. Yeah, he might find his way as a camp. Penn body. State wrecked him. Uh, yes, yeah. He he could end up being like a, you remember Aaron Murray at Georgia. It's like got yeah. overdrafted because he was smart and accurate, and then just washed out so fast. That's kind of who Jake Browning reminds yeah, similar me of physically uh, as a big guy. Connor, you got a couple more guys on your list, and one is I, I've told people before that. You know, part of my job that well, it's not part of my job, just part of this life has become you get asked to advise players on if they should uh, declare for the draft or not, because they're trying to get as much information as possible. Clayton Thorson at Northwestern was one of those guys this past year. Someone reached out an intermediary reached out, and said, hey, where would you have this guy graded? You mind asking around to see where teams would have him? Uh, I thought that he would be a late rounder in the 2018 class because of all the depth that we saw. And that was in you know, late December, early January. But he is someone that we're all kind of watching to see because I think there's some talent there. And, and he's definitely playing at a school that you know can produce the numbers in their system where he's going to get a look. But I, I haven't seen anything that blows me away about him. Same. And I've had scouts telling me about him for a year now where they were like, hey, watch this guy last summer. And then you watch him and it's like, hey, he's, you know, does he get pressured a lot? Yeah, but he's just all right. Physically, you like the dual threat aspect, you know, and that ability, but it's just not all there with him. And obviously, getting hurt did yeah. not help. So I ho- I'm hoping for an- another guy, hoping for a healthy return, uh, a tools guy that I want people to put on their list. Tyree Jackson from Buffalo, six six, you know, almost two hundred fifty pounds. He can move, cannon for an arm. Just a classic like Jones. guy with all of the tools. <laughs> yeah, it does feel that way. He's just got freakish, freakish tools, and, and you wonder how. You know, the accuracy and everything will translate to the next level. I, I'm, he's a guy, though, I'm excited to watch at Buffalo. He really is. And on the flip side, a guy that is not a tools guy, but I know if we don't talk about him, people are going to ask. So we're clarifying it right now. Trace McSorley, not an NFL quarterback. I don't think so, man. For us. If we're wrong, if we're wrong, I will own it. I, I know we said last year coming out of the summer that Baker Mayfield was a day two guy. He went number one overall. I think that will not be the same for McSorley. I, like you said, Matt, Will Greer is the guy that can be the Baker-ish kind of riser. Not number one overall, but, you know, 
the surprise riser that's a little undersized. I don't see it the same for McSorley. I think he's just limited. We'll see if they can score any points without Saquon Barkley. Like, that offense is going to look terrible. They yeah. lost and Hamilton. Gusecki's gone. They lost Gasecki and they lost Saquon. Those are three Deshaun pretty Hamilton. big target. And Joe Moorhead. They lost their offensive coordinator. So, it will be interesting. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I want to throw one more name out there because we get draft-on-draft draft questions all the time. Well, I'll do two. We get draft-on-draft draft questions all the time. Hey, who who's the best, like, FCS or MIAA quarterback? The two small school quarterbacks outside of Easton Stick at NDSU or Tyree Jackson at Buffalo that I'm really watching, Lamar Reynard at North Carolina A&T and Buckshot Calvert at Liberty. And I love the, I just love the Buckshot. name. I was just saying, I think you just like found his name. And you're like, yep, going to look no, into that no, one. He's actually he's on the list. So we'll be watching those guys. It looks like, I think to put a bow on the quarterback class, I don't see the... I don't see five guys who are going to go in the first round, and, and that could definitely change. Last year, we kept saying supply versus demand. A lot of quarterbacks are going to go early. This year, I, I think it's a little bit different where we're waiting for someone to prove that they're the guy, whether it's Justin Herbert or whether it's Jarrett Stidham. Um, there, there's definitely room for someone to come up, but right now, uh, I think we're all waiting to fall in love with somebody. All right, folks, it's Draft on Draft time with Connor Mello and myself. This is where you can send in your questions. You can do it through Twitter. You can do it through Instagram. Uh, you can do it on your iTunes review when you leave one of those. And our, our intern walker would get those in the doc so we can answer them every week. Uh, let's jump right into it, guys. At Ryan Blake wants to know, what's the greatest sports memory you ever had while drinking your favorite beer? Oh, man. Mine is the Royals winning the World Series. I was drinking a Boulevard Wheat, sitting alone in my office. That's my greatest sports memory. That's a good one. With my one favorite of my beer. lowest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just like to poke you with that uh, every chance I get. It's all right. It's all right. Mine's really difficult because they don't sell my beer at sporting events. Yeah, I mean to to be clear, I don't like have a lot of great sports fanhood memories because I'm a Jets, Mets, Rangers, and Knicks fan. So those are f- well. What were you drinking when they drafted um, Hackenberg? <laughs> I was working. <laughs> so, what did you drink right after? Uh, that? <laughs> probably the cheapest. Uh, anything that came in plastic and was over fifty yeah. percent alcohol. One I do remember is, and I don't remember what I was drinking, but I was definitely having a whiskey when um, the Rangers came back against the Capitals two years ago, three years ago. Maybe four years ago. Wow. I don't know. In the playoffs, uh, I mean, that's probably the best that I have. Uh, I feel like I was working a lot when the Mets were in the World Series or frantically not drinking. The Hackenberg one is good. Yeah, too bad. I, I needed something after that. That's another one of the low ones. Maybe we do that for iTunes this week. What is your greatest sports memory while drinking your favorite yeah. beer? I like that one a lot. Mine would... Mine would have to be like the Falcons Super Bowl that they lost to the Patriots. Oh, God. Just because you're probably right. never going to see something like that again. And I was drinking my favorite beer at the time, which is Natty Light. Duh. Yeah. I would say Texas USC, we weren't drinking. No, I was 17 years old or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't drinking. All right. Our buddy Ant the Oreo, great listener. Love this dude. If you were building a team from scratch, what offensive and defensive schemes would you choose? Do teams historically prosper with certain schemes, as in Tampa 2 versus man? I, I think all, historically, I, I think it's just all about what's trendy, what works right now. You know, like right now, it's all sub package. It's all nickel. Yep. Uh, and, you know, we're seeing that money backers getting on the field, things like that. So I think it's you can't say like oh, historically three, four teams have won more Super Bowls. Maybe they have, but it, I think it also ebbs and flows with time. If I were building a team, 
I don't know if there's just like a certain scheme that I would use, but I would take Sean McVay's offense for sure and Dan Quinn's defense. Those would be the two that I would run with. Well, if you can get those guys or just those guys as your coordinators, like you're <laughs> yeah. all set. Yeah. Well, and I, for me, yeah. I don't, I don't like NFL schemes. So what I would do is I would take the Ohio State scheme. It might not play in the NFL, but they, you didn't say it was an NFL team. You didn't. So they can have a shitty quarterback, and they still get the hands and their their best players, the ball in the hands of yeah, their best player. <laughs> well, I think picking McVay goes back to how crazy things change in the NFL now. McVay is the guy that openly says he takes from other schemes, playbooks, mm-hmm. coaches week after week and changes things. So when you look at what the Rams try to do, it's it's scheming guys open from isolated matchups or, or just finding a way to get them open with no one on them. So I think McVay is so good at that, and it kind of shows that there is no definite scheme, and it also is about fitting personnel into the right thing. Now, I would love to run Seattle's defense. How many Earl Thomases are there in the world that can play single high like him with those ball one. skills and range? Yeah, one. Yeah, right? And you know what I it's mean? It's so, hard to find corners. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not that easy. So it's a great question because I actually don't think there's any definitive answer. Yeah, that is a great question. It's, it's a tough one, though. Uh, Justin Myers wants to know, if you could change the outcome of a single play in any sporting event in history, what would it be? Oh, I know mine. That's tough. I think it's, it's an easy one for me. Yeah. I know two that I can think of right now. It would be Michael Crabtree catching that ball at like the two-yard line yeah. when Blake Gideon just didn't push him out of bounds. That would be the first one. And the second one would be Colt McCoy hurting his shoulder against Alabama. You take either of those two plays, and Texas probably has two more national championships. Yeah, mine would be when uh, the Jets didn't get the ball back in the AFC Championship against the Steelers because Antonio Brown, of course, on third down, found a way to get open. So I think it was Antonio Brown. I might be losing my mind, but it was um, that would definitely be it because Mark Sanchez had one of the best, unbelievably, Mark Sanchez, out of all people, had one of the best second halves in the playoffs I've ever seen, and the Jets could not get the ball back to him. That's an easy one. So mine might surprise you guys because this is not my team, but the David Tyree catch. I, oh, I, you're I insane. No. Why? Yeah, I want to undo it. I wanted that. I wanted it. I wanted this the perfect season. Oh, well, yeah. I'm glad I'm glad we can't change that. No, that's the That's a legend because like, I'm a Niners fan. Like Niners fans, we don't have many of those like uh, the catch. Yeah. 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 The catch. The dynasty never starts. <laughs> yeah. So all our plays like are are good plays, right? So and even as a Texas fan, you took the two I would pick. Yeah. So, I mean those those were the easy ones. Yeah. So I mean was it uh was Alex Gordon getting left on third? Won the World Series. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. You so, guys got, got one. Got nothing. Though. That's a hard one for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we actually came back the next year and got yeah. it. So it's fine. So who cares? Don't care. And you know, Bumgarner had a historic game, so that's fine with me. All right. Uh, <laughs> I forgot I put this one in there. Uh, Anthony Mangaluso wants to know how the tree house is going. Uh, so I did purchase a new house recently, got moved in, and there's this kick ass tree it looks house. Unbelievable. That now. My my son, Mellow's girls, my girlfriend's kids, like my nieces uh, from our other brother, that it's like all anyone wants to be. The problem is until we reconfigure the, the platform on this thing, it's so hard for me as a slightly overweight 34-year-old man to get up in. So the treehouse is not great because I'm sore from getting in it and out of it to help all the kids. It's out. great for the kids. Kids yeah, love it's it. Awesome I haven't seen them. it. If you haven't <laughs> seen it yet, you have to go to Matt's Instagram, of course, NFL Draft Scout, and just look at – you could look at the size of Emmett and look at the size of the treehouse. <laughs> it's like he has his own castle. Yeah. 
He might move in there. Uh, I mean, by, by the time he's ten, he just he should just yeah. start sneaking your stuff out there. I mean, it's <laughs> he's a sleeping bag. It's absolutely incredible. It looks hard to even get up there. This thing is so big. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, it's how it's ridiculous. I mean, how it was the I, move? I think we had six kids up there. Was the move so. a disaster? The move sucked. Yeah. Moving sucks. Yeah, I mean, I decided to move in the middle of June in Missouri. Yeah, well, so. that was your first mistake. <laughs> yeah. First mistake was buying a house sitting next to you on the desk at the draft. <laughs> yeah. It was bad timing You just look at me part. and you go, I just bought a house. I go, man, that, that got a lot easier. All right. Yeah. This next one from... <laughs> Thanks, Quicken Loans. From, yeah, Quicken Loans. From uh, at Ivan247365, what are the most important components of a burger to get right? I, you know, I I'll tell you what bothers me. I, I can't eat like an overcooked patty. Well done. It just tastes like tar. Like if it if it's if it's past medium, it ruins the entire burger for me. I don't care about anything else. Like you can really you can't mess up the other things, right? Like you know lettuce, tomato, say you do bacon, cheddar cheese, whatever you want on it. If you cook the patty wrong. The burger's ruined. See, I can eat burgers, like, well done. I think it's just because our dad is, like, a weirdo, and he will order steak well done. Yeah. So growing up, there were no pink on any <laughs> beef products. Oh, Everything was cooked very well done. So that isn't a thing that throws me off. For me, it's barbecue sauce. I think we've talked about it on the Friday show before. That is the most important component for me. It's yeah, for me, barbecue it is, sauce. It, it's temperature, but I'll go another route. You got to pre-season that meat before you grill yes. it. Like, I need seasoned salt on there. I don't even mind a little garlic. You want to throw that on there? That's cool. Like, it needs to be, it needs to be seasoned and flavored so that when I do bite into it, you get a, you get the full experience. I, I used yeah. to season burgers with brown gravy, like the packets of brown gravy. Yeah. Just mix it in with your hamburger before you start making the patties. It's actually really good, but it might kill you. I do agree. Yeah. Oh yeah. The uh, the barbecue sauce is a game changer. Like if you cook the burger in the barbecue sauce. And the bun does matter, I think. I mean, the bun yeah, won't ruin yeah. it if a bun is a bun, right? But, like, if you, like, I was with you guys at the combine and we had those uh, pretzel, right? The pretzel bun burgers. Was that at the combine? Yes. Am I losing my yep. mind? That was crack. I mean, that, I think it was. Yeah, it was the combine. Yeah, those were delicious. That's one of my moves, though. If you got a pretzel bun, I'm getting, getting it. it. Yeah, Every time. Yeah, it was at the, uh, the hotel restaurant, uh -huh. actually. Yeah, those were good. All right. Quentin Lash, a great follower, wants to know, if you're building out a front office slash coaching staff out of current NFL coaches or candidates, what would your dream staff look like? Ooh. Oh, man. I could do this pretty quickly. Um, All right. Belichick head coach, Dan Quinn, defensive coordinator, Sean McVay, offensive coordinator. GM is where I get hung up. I, I thought the exact same thing for coaches. Same. Like That seems like the easiest answer. Yeah, I actually yeah. think they would uh, gel together, too. I know Bill demands a lot, but those two guys would work for him. Yeah. And, yeah, that's – you're not losing if that's No, you never – And I don't know it. You'll never be out-schemed. Bill would have to be GM, though. That's the thing. there's no way that's he's going to let someone else pick for him. <laughs> is that you you can't get a GM if you go the Belichick route. So, say, let's change the head coach and go a guy – I mean – I don't know. I can't take Andy Reid. I like Andy Reid. I don't know if I could take Andy Reid. He's kind of the same way, though. Yeah, he does. Ha he has a lot more pull than people realize there. I'll say like that. Like Pete Carroll? Take, yeah, take He's another one. He hired John Schneider. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Doug, Doug Peterson would be a good one. Yes. Yeah, he can manage that. That's a good... Yeah. That's a, Here's yeah. a fun spinoff of this. Like, my only argument that Bill Walsh is... Like a, and it doesn't work. You can't say greater coach than Bill Belichick, but Bill Walsh was such a great 
picker of players. He was a great drafter and won four Super Bowls. I know Belichick has more rings, but what Walsh was able to do as the architect of that that early dynasty, drafting Montana and Ronnie Lott and all those players, I think that's one of the like underrated aspects of, of his greatness. Oh, I actually have a question for you guys. My draft on draft question this oh, week. I love that. We've been talking a lot about if NCAA football could come back as a game. What team would you play with for this year, this upcoming that year? That is a great Who would be question. your team? It, by the you way, we Texas. need it back so bad. Well, I know we, we say it all the time. Yeah, we do need it back badly. Who would you? Yeah, I even tweeted at EA this week. I was like, come on, hook us up. At least send an update for the old one because I'm still playing the no. 2014 version. Do something. I The team that comes up to mind is the defending national champions. You can't pick against UCF. Oh, my God. <laughs> no, I didn't no see Shaq that coming at so. all. Good God. Uh, I would like a mobile quarterback, though, because I run like a triple option. So, McKenzie Melton, I, he's not a pro prospect, and he's not somebody that we talked about today, but he runs that offense very well. Yeah, you go Arizona, Khalil Tate. That would yeah. be fun. That right. would be the fun that one. That would be a lot of fun. Yes. Man. Oh, man, that is really good because it, it's not that easy this year. Like... No. There was the time Ohio where, State would be a good yeah. one. That defense is just nasty. I mean, Clemson. Clemson. Clemson would be stupid good because you can you can cheat it where you really put Kelly Bryant in there when you want a dual threat. And, I mean, the defense is just absolutely loaded. And then they got Sunshine coming in there, the five-star quarterback that's got a can. <laughs> I mean, I've stood next to him while he's throwing. That kid could throw a mile. So you could put him in there if you want to throw more. Underrated move, though, be LSU and put Devin White at running back and Oh, my God, yes. And just go beast mode on people. Yeah, or just, play corner with Greedy. Just run them over. And just, just intercept yeah. everything. That would be, be pretty set. fun. Oh, you know what? I hate that I have to do this, but I, I feel like we have to because they will kill us if we forget. We never talked about DeAndre Francois with the quarterbacks. Oh, that's oh, yeah. true. Coming back from injury. I was excited yeah. about State him last summer. The injury does really put my optimism, you know, a different way. I'm not as excited anymore because I, I got to see him come back and really stay upright. Man, they let him get killed, killed every time he plays. But I just want to yeah. clarify we didn't. Willie Taggart might. Yeah. Yeah. He he might make him look very good this yeah. year, though. So he's he does a great job with mobile quarterbacks, and Francois could be. Yeah. All right. Jared Brown, the world's greatest cornhole player, wants to know an ideal five-man dodgeball team comprised of the 2018 draft class. Well, I'm taking Josh Allen. If, yeah, 2018, I'm yeah. taking Josh I'm Allen. I'm taking Saquon, Saquon Barkley. Barkley can do it all. Yeah. He yeah. can make you miss, and he can yeah, catch. Yeah, he can jump over anything. Yeah. And I've see, We've seen him throw. I mean, he could throw, too. I'm not worried about that. Um, yeah, I think agility is an underrated. I, I'm taking there. Derwin Darius James. Guys. Derwin James is just a dog. He, 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 Minka Fitzpatrick. It? Yeah. I don't know if I'd take any There's of the quarterbacks. I don't know. I think they'd get hit. I would take Josh just for the just the fear of God he would put <laughs> he into could the be head opposing team. Yeah, and probably Baker, too, because Baker, he's, a, yeah. he's shifty, he's a small target, and he actually throws the ball pretty damn hard. And he's a gamer. So just he'd be swagged out. That would be, <laughs> You got Baker, Minka, Derwin, and Saquon, yeah. and Josh Allen. That's I think that's a pretty damn good team. Ooh. And Will Hernandez, maybe. Oh, like, God. it's just if I could throw a sixth the in there. It's just pure intimidation. Sheer yeah. uh, don't fucking throw it at him. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. will kill us. Yeah. Um, he will fight Damon Harrison. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, with no helmet. <laughs> Damon Harrison had a weapon. He had a, he had Will's helmet. Yeah. <laughs> that's going to be it's assault, brother. That's going to be a fun training camp. 
this year. New York Giants training camp. I might actually go out there. I think it'll be that good. Yeah. So, all right. This is the one from D Sauter three two four. Why is it that some college teams can consistently pump out NFL talent, yet those teams don't find the success you would think during the NCAA season? Also, how are teams that are consistent winners not able to produce talent in the NFL as easily? It's a great question. It really is. I think it's the LSU question. It is the LSU question, and, and coaching kind of goes both ways with this, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that is the answer. Is coaching It's the reason? Like, we've talked a lot about Chris Peterson on the show today. Uh, there's a reason that Washington. I mean, they get good recruits. That's a hell of a program, but I mean, they're consistently churning guys out. Stanford. It's coaching. You look at what David Shaw's doing uh, to take two star guys and turn them into first and second round prospects. It's a lot of coaching, and it's the reason why. LSU will get a five-star kid and you'll never hear his name again. And Or Michigan, you know, they've, they've had a run of getting big recruits that never turn into anything. So it's, it's coaching. You know, some of it's bad luck with injury or sometimes you got some no-name kid who ends up being a great, you know, two- to three-year starter and, and keeps those big recruits down. But I think that's – it all comes back to coaching. I mean, there's reason – I mean, Alabama's always going to have three to four guys in the top 50, and it's coaching. Yeah, they get the best of both worlds. They recruit well, and they get the most out of them. Yeah, so it's – and Ohio State, you know, the same way. I mean, they Urban Meyer, love him or hate him, they always have a ton of guys who, who get drafted, and it's it does go back to coaching. All right, last question from at TBL25, longtime listener, live podcast love attendee. Love that. First-time draft-on-draft participant. This dude's run the gamut. He has a live fantasy draft in Nash Vegas this summer. It's a dynasty league, so we only draft rookies, and I hold the number two and number nine picks. Saquon's clearly going first. Should I do whatever it takes, number two, two, trading Will Fuller, nine and Will Fuller, to get the first pick, or should I take Geis at two and another rookie at nine? The guy who has the first pick is a big Notre Dame fan, so he's thinking he might Will Fuller might carry some some weight there. If you can trade the second pick and Will Fuller, do it. Yeah, right? Second pick and Will Fuller. Will Fuller sucks. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting anything <laughs> out of him. Like, trade trade him. every Notre Dame player that you have. Yeah. Do you have Kyle Rudolph, too? I mean, yeah. Deshaun Kaiser, get him and then trade him to Deshaun Kaiser. If also. you only draft, I just think the gap from Saquon to everyone else is now guys. Guys is a safe spot at number two because I think he's going to get a lot of touches. Guys, I have some I have some big news to before we do sign off that I just noticed. If you go to store.bleacherreportshop.com, there is a stick to football shirt. In the store, ready to be bought. You would think they what? would pass that information. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had seen samples over the weeks, but I like no one ever said it was launched in the store. So, if you made it this far, I need to let you know that there's a stick to football shirt available in black, white, and gray in the store. And I think at some point we'll be doing some... It's weird that the creator of the podcast didn't know that, but I can't wait to buy one. (laughs) We'll be doing some kind of giveaway with the shirts. But if you are bold enough to go there and get one, which I highly recommend because they are quite sleek and sexy, and they do make your arms double in size at purchase, uh, take a picture of you wearing it, and we'll put it at least in our Instagram story. If you get real crazy with it, we we might post you with your permission. But I, yeah, I so just store.bleacherreportshop. Yeah, I like that I I it is store.bleacherreportshop.com 
I like that I discovered this in the well, the end of our show. Yeah, what a way to send it off. Yeah, I'm I'm equal parts like happy and confused right now. So that's why there's like this weird pause as I'm trying to talk. So <laughs> yeah. Can't wait to... I gotta be real honest, I didn't even know there was a Bleacher Report store. It's, it's new. kind of like... So that's nice. It's, it's mostly in the app is where you see it, yeah. but uh, I'm excited about it, man. It's very, can't very to, new. Can't wait to rep one. Hopefully they're as good as those Walmart shirts I've been buying. They, <laughs> yeah, they'll last longer. I think, they will definitely last I can longer. guarantee you that they'll be as good as the Walmart shirts. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, it's getting weird, so let's sign off. Um, definitely buy a stick football shirt. Send us those pictures. We'll retweet them, like Connor said, with your permission. We'll get them on the Instagram story with your permission. Thanks for hanging out with all three of us. Hey, there are male and female Ooh, yeah. styles are. as well, so get your lady yeah. one. Uh, we, if mm. it's your girlfriend's favorite football podcast, which it is, or your wife's, no, she, or no, even is. your ex-wife's favorite football podcast. <laughs> I don't make that I'll, kind of money, Connor. I can't buy all these shirts. <laughs> Come on, Matt. Let's buy three shirts. Matt will be... One for to, each of our ex-wives. We'll get the payment plan yeah. for Matt to get all of his exes a stick yeah. of football Is shirt. there credit? Can I can I buy these on credit? Just take, well, they, my yeah, take it out of your check and then you're all set. You're going to have to. Uh, the shirts do look good. You guys can check them out. I just tweeted it out. We'll have them on the, the stick to football can as well. I can't wait to see everybody in these. Uh, thanks to Connor. Thanks to Mello for hanging out. Thank you guys. Uh, remember, hop on that iTunes review. Let us know your greatest sports memory. And we'll talk to you real, real soon.